This is a presentation of DSP Media. All right, and we are live, uh, semi-live. We are back here in the fitness zone. I am Tyson Pfeiffer. Who am I with? Chris Ombi. There How you we doing? go. I am doing great, man. We're having a, excited, having a great week here. We got lots to talk about this week. This is officially episode three. Episode three. Three, four, you know, numbers <laughs> aren't that important. And speaking of numbers aren't what's, that important. I was going to uh, say, we've had two episodes and what's going on? Yeah, we had an intro. We had Trevor. We talked about ourselves. Numbers are a crazy thing. We made the top 20 list of health and fitness podcasts. For fitness over 50. The top 20 health and fitness <laughs> over 50 podcast. We were number 12. With two episodes. Two See episodes. Y'all? Let's just, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Back. Uh, ourselves on the back. Here's what's great about this list, though. It's the top 20 health and fitness over 50 podcasts with 18 podcasts listed. So hey, I look at the two episodes. We weren't, we weren't last. <laughs> We weren't last. We easily could have been last, but we weren't. We could have easily not even been in the in the mix. Yeah, we we could have because we may have mentioned fitness over forty too much, and they specifically wanted fitness over fifty. Exactly. But we beat some amazing podcasts with titles like "Sensual Over 60. Sensual. Yes. Got it. That's uh, it's uh, sexy over, and then celebrating over 60 that we beat both of those podcasts out <laughs> i think one of them just celebrating that they're live the other one celebrating that their junk still works either way those two podcasts could be combined and if they were combined they would definitely beat us they would jump over us and we would probably be number 13 they would take the 11 spot for sure no i think we'll, po- we'll get more listeners we're getting more listeners and we'll jump to number five six and then number one Number one, yeah, number one, um, it was a lady in some, um, like, 80s warm-up leggings. She was rocking it. So that's, I don't know if we're going to be able to beat that, but yeah. let's set our goals, and uh, we will beat that. So thanks, everybody, that's been listening, um, sending us emails, hitting us up on Twitter. Um, appreciate that. More to come. Good, uh, que- today's, good questions, today's by the way. Mm-hmm. Yes. Today's episode, we are talking about my first downhill enduro mountain bike race. That happened this weekend, Dino Valley down in Glen Rose, Texas. My first race, I started mountain biking pretty seriously during the pandemic, as a lot of people did. I actually started a YouTube channel about mountain biking called MTB 103. It's 103 because 101 is for beginners. And we all like to pretend we're not a beginner, even though we are. So started a YouTube channel about mountain biking. I ride my bike pretty seriously several times a week. I actually have four different bikes. That's how serious I got into it. Have this special downhill enduro race bike. And uh, yeah, did my first race. It was amazing. Uh, I set goals. My goals were I raced in the amateur men 40 to 49, uh, which is a super competitive division. There's a lot of pro racers that no longer are pros and now they race amateur, but they still race pro level. So those guys are animals. So I set goals. Number one goal, do not crash. <laughs> Good goal. That was a, and I met that goal. I did not crash. I came very close several times. I did not crash. Here's a little fun fact about me, Chris. I, I don't think I've said this before. I'm 40 years old, be 41 this year. I have never broken a bone 
or a boner in my life. And so I plan to keep that benchmark intact. I've never had a cast. I've never, nothing, right? And I've done Ninja Warrior, was a sponsored skateboarder. All, somehow I've been lucky enough to never break a bone. So well, Tyson not crashing. You, Tyson lets you know I'm 52. I've never broken a bone. From there mixed you martial go. arts to bodybuilding. That's very rare. Next time you're in a casual conversation with some people, just bring that up and everyone's like, oh, I had a cast. Yeah, I slipped getting me out of the bathtub or broke my wrist. It's very common. So you are a rare specimen just like myself. Sure. So goals for this race. Let's go back to the race. Um, not crash and finish in the top 50% of my age group. I had no idea how many racers were going to be in my age group, 40, 49. Um, didn't meet the second goal. I placed 30th out of 41 racers in, um, in my age group, amateur men, 40, 49. And it's crazy how it comes down to just seconds. The, the person that got 29th was literally like half a second faster than me. Uh, and then from 30 down to like 20, we were all within five to 10 seconds of each other. It's pretty, pretty crazy how the timing comes down to that close. Um, for the racing. So it was cool. I had a great time. I'm definitely going to do it again. Um, I put a photo up on Twitter uh, teasing this episode um, from the race. So super excited about that. And uh, speaking of athletes and uh, racing, that leads in today's topic, which you're going to lead us on the man's oil change. Tell us about the man's oil change. Let, let me, I got a question for you though. How yeah. do you practice for a man, a downhill race, because like when you did the Ninja Warrior, I understand how you can practice in your facility, the Ninja Warrior facility. But how do you practice if you fall? That's not going to be a good fall. So you practice just like another sport. You get to the point where you have the data in your mind, um, muscle memory. So you're going at a super fast speed. You see a corner coming up. You have that muscle memory set up to know, hey, for this corner, it's a sharp corner. It's a dog leg that I need to lean this way or I need to shift up, shift down. Um, so, cause you're getting, you're going at such a high speed. You need to have just repetitions of doing those activities at such a high speed where it's just muscle memory at that point, you don't have really have time to think. And so a slower racers like myself, where we don't have a huge data set yet, we mm -hmm. are hitting the brakes a lot. And so hitting the brakes on your bike obviously slows you down quite a bit. Uh, if you need to brake really hard to go through that corner and as you get faster and faster, the more time you spend on the bike, you can process that data so much quicker. Um, I can relate it to me doing stand-up. So I've been doing stand-up comedy for 13 years now, and I'm so comfortable doing stand-up. When I'm on stage, by the time the punchline is coming out of my mouth, my brain is already five steps ahead. I'm analyzing what the crowd's doing, stage right, stage left. Should I do this callback? Should I switch to this tag? Because I've been doing it so long, I can analyze that data so quick in my head. Um, I'm not at that point mountain biking yet. So if I see a corner coming up and I'm not comfortable with it, I am braking instead of just shifting my body weight or positioning the bike to blitz through that corner at a high speed. I am slowing down so that I can reanalyze that data and be like, oh, okay, slow down to a speed I'm comfortable at. Now I can turn into this corner, right? Whereas the guys that have been doing it much longer than me look ahead, they see that corner and they know, oh, this is what I do to blaze through this corner without having to brake. So, um, so just yeah, more... you just get repetitions and spend more time on your bike. There's a great place down above uh, in Barnett, Texas called Spider Mountain. That's a lift. Um, it's, a, it's like a, it's a chairlift. You take a chairlift up to the top, and then you race down the mountain. Uh, wow. So that's a great place to practice. Yeah. 
Like we do a whole episode on Spider Mountain. I'll do. I'll, I got some video on it. Uh, everybody, I'll I'll put it up on Twitter, um, our YouTube channel. You can watch video on that. Yeah, I think that'd be a great idea. Because I mean, I never heard of downhill racing. How fast? Uh, how how long is it downhill? Is it a mile or? Um, they're quick. So we did eleven stages. My longest stage was just over two minutes. So it goes by quick. A lot of them are right at one minute long from start to finish. Really fast. Downhill. Don't crash. <laughs> and I had a couple of buddies. Uh, three of us went down there. Three different age groups. One in the 30s, one in the 40s, one in the 50s. I did. I was the slowest out of all of us. So we were all about 20, 30 seconds apart, which seems like it's not a lot. But in racing, 20, 30 seconds is a lot. Oh, so, yeah. Especially, yeah. Two min- especially a minute down. Yeah, well, that's our combined time over 11 oh. stages, yeah. So it was 11, there was 11 different stages down the hill. And you're only timed on the downhill part. You can just casually go back up to the top at your own time. And then we were chipped kind of like if you were running a marathon or a 5K, we have a chip on our body and uh, that triggers the time at the start and the finish. Oh, so it's man. pretty cool. All right, today's episode, the man's oil change. What kind of mechanic are you using to change that oil? Let me ask you one question. Let me see, tell you if, you know, number one, I'm not a medical professional. Yeah. Everything that I talk about is basically personal experience. And this is a personal experience that happened to me about six months ago. And I didn't realize the benefits. Actually, the phlebotomist was in there. She basically called it the man's oil change. And the benefits, if I could tell you in 30 minutes, you could lower your blood pressure. You could reduce your heart attacks by 80%. Reduced risk of cancer, reduced of hemochromatosis, reduced of liver and your pancreas damage, improved cardiovascular health, and lose weight. All at one time. In All at one time. 30 minutes or less. And you know what it's called? Give him blood. That's the man's oil change. That is the man's oil change because hemoglobin basically carries iron. Iron is probably one of the worst things that you can have in your body. When your hemoglobin gets too thick, hemoglobin, which carries RBCs, which carries oxygen, when your hemoglobin levels or hematocrit levels get too high, then the blood sticks, so it's harder to push up. And that's when people have high blood pressure, they have strokes, they have heart attacks. What personally happened to me was I have a Chinese doctor that I go to, and um, he looked at my tongue. That's how he measured through the pulse in the tongue. And he goes, go give blood. And I said, what? He said, go give blood right now. So I go to there, they prick me. Just by looking at your tongue. Hold on, there's, well, a, lot, there's I, a lot of weirdness to this story. I, I, I can't, I can't. <laughs> Chinese doctor Chinese got your medical. tongue, mm-hmm. told you to go give blood, and then he pricked you. No, no, now I'm there, now I put my information in. So I'm at the blood center. Okay. And most people give blood, you know, for humanitarian reasons and stuff, which is great. I think we should do it to save lives. I did it pretty much to save my life. So when I got in there... If the average is 40 to 42, mine was 52. Average of what? Your hematocrit levels. So when they prick you, they're basically finding how much hematocrits, how much hemoglobin you have. I'm not going to talk about plasma or platelets or anything like that. I'm just going to talk about hemoglobin right now. So my hemoglobin was real high. And the reason I went to him was like, man, I'm fatigued. I'm tired all the time. And uh, so I went to him to see if he'd give me some, some kind of medicine. And he said, man, go get your oil changed. <laughs> so, so that's what I did. So mine was at a 52. It should be around a 40. So I gave them a, it's a double red. So they take out the blood and I came out at 40, which I didn't realize that women, they release, you know, they release every month. Men, you know, over 30, 40 years, that, uh, that iron that's in your body, 
is the worst thing in the world that can be in your body. Well, so let's back, to, this, back this up real quick. So the hemoglobin is basically the protein in your body that contains iron and makes your blood red, right? Correct. And it carries oxygen from your lungs to nourish your tissues in your body. So they said you had a double red. What does double red mean? Well, no, whenever that being so high, my hemoglobin levels being so high, to get it down to 40, you had to do a double red. If I was in there and it was 46, 45, they would have done just a single. So what's the difference between a single red and a double red? The amount of blood you're donating? Exactly. Two pints versus one. Got it. Take as much out as they could to get that thing down. So, and I tell you, I came back out two days later, had all my energy back. And so I asked the lady, I said, how come, how come they don't talk about this? How come nobody educates men on giving blood for their health reasons? And her answer literally was because it would take away from the medical system. What do you mean it would take away from the medical system if more men started donating blood? Yeah, because you're going to reduce heart attacks. You're going to reduce cancer. You're going to reduce liver issues, cardiovascular issues. This sounds like a conspiracy theory right here. All Everybody out there, just Google benefits of giving blood for men. Yeah, that's why we're here talking about it today. But so there was Don't take my word for it. The we were not educating men on the benefits of giving blood because the medical system that's a broad term. Medical system wanted men. No, no, to no, no. My, the answer was when I asked her, how come more men don't know about this? How come they yeah. don't educate us, man? Yes. That was her answer. Got it. This, the Seriously. nurse. Because yes. she thought that they wanted more people to get sick and have be in lower health by not giving blood. Yeah. Interesting. But then if you go online and you pull it up, there's articles all about it. You know, the benefits of it. You know, there's certain people that shouldn't do it. You know, like if you have cancer, cardiac disease, or lung disease, but you know, the normal Joe. And when I was in there, to be honest with you, those three guys, three other guys, a lot of people, whenever they do TRT, when they do testosterone, so they go to these T clinics, the reason you go to a T clinic and you're getting blood every month to that doctor, that's what he's checking. He's checking to make sure your hemoglobin levels aren't getting too high. If it's getting high, he will tell you to go get blood. So when you're going to these T clinics, that's the value of going to them because you're getting your blood checked and they tell you, hey, it's getting a little high, go get blood. And you can get blood every 56 days. So that's one of the reasons that they take your blood every month if you've ever been to a T-clinic. So is there benefits to giving blood more often? Uh, no. Because how, how often should you change your oil? You know, it depends on what you're doing. If, if you're a gentleman and you're taking a lot of testosterone and stuff, and that's raising your hematocrit levels, then you should be going every 56 days to check and make sure your blood's not getting too thick, which causes high blood pressure, causes the strokes, causes the heart attacks. So I would say that the normal person every six months would be fine. The normal guy. Guy, just normal weekend warrior guy. Just normal Joe. Now that, that's another thing too. Weekend warriors, if you're an athlete, you don't want to be given blood because the RBCs, hemoglobin, which is RBCs, which is oxygen, that's going to decrease your oxygen load. So a lot of sports, they do the opposite. They take the blood out, freeze it, so their body naturally produces more RBCs or more oxygen, and then they put their, their old back into their body. So now they actually have more oxygen so they can go a longer time. Basically, so that's uh, like in cycling, Lance Armstrong, Tour de France style. Uh, that's considered what is blood doping, correct? That's exactly what I'm saying. Got what it. they take do it. is they, they take it out, they centrifuge it, they freeze it. Your body produces it, produces, your body's going to produce more RBCs after that. 
then what they do is they put it back in and now you actually have more blood. And that's why, but there, the, you run the risk of heart attacks and stuff like that though for athletes. But for you as a ninja warrior, I definitely wouldn't, if you had a turn, if you had an event on a, on a weekend, don't be given blood on a Wednesday because you're going to be fatigued. Got it. By having that, uh, oxygen level depleted in my blood system, my blood supply. Exactly. Got it. Good information. So you mentioned before uh, we were talking before we started recording today about bodybuilders and giving blood. You know, they eat more protein. They eat more red meat. Yep. Red meat has iron in it. A lot of bodybuilders do testosterone. So a lot of bodybuilders are not going to doctors and being checked and, uh, you know, to making sure they're okay. So they, they should be going every couple six months as well just to protect themselves but just a normal joe 40 50 years old who hasn't all that iron stored up in their body for so many years i promise you if you go give blood now that's that's i'm talking about the selfish reasons you know the the non-selfish reasons because that's what most people think they say give blood they're giving blood yep help save lives help save lives they get paid (laughs) whatever it's going to be hey yeah a lot of comedians out there giving blood, plasma, <laughs> sperm, whatever. Right whatever now, you are, you are right. <laughs> so one in seven people enter a hospital needs blood. Uh, the red the red blood cells have a shelf life of about forty two days. So one pint of blood can save two lives. Just one pint. Me giving two pints, I could have saved four lives. Also, the good thing about it, I am type O, which is the most common. So I donate the blood too. And there's no substitute for human blood. So, I mean, you can't get it anywhere else. So people who, you know, women during pregnancy, people who get injured and uh, need blood, trend, you know, blood work. So approximately 36,000 units of red blood cells are needed every day in the United States. There's 7,000 units of platelets and 10,000 units of plasma are needed every day. So nearly 21 million blood components are transfused each year in the United States. The average red blood cell transfusion is three units. Uh, the blood type that's most often requested is type O. Sickle cell disease affects 90 to 100,000 people in the United States. About 1,000 babies are born with a disease. Sickle cell patients require blood transfusions throughout their lives. And this is basically according to the American Cancer Association. So more than 1.8 million people are expected to be diagnosed with cancer in 2020. Many of them will need blood, sometimes daily, during their chemotherapy treatment. A single car accident victim can require as much as 100 units of blood. Wow. So to be honest with you, if you're not going to do it for non-selfish, you know, selfish reasons, do it for non-selfish reasons, save a life. Yeah, that's why it was, this was an important topic to bring up. Um, it's kind of, we're kind of bouncing all around here in the fitness zone of uh, ways to help our listeners improve their fitness journey. The benefits of, as you named it, the man's oil change. Uh, giving blood, not only helping yourself out, but also helping others out. So it's kind of a kind of a two for one. And the great thing about our, you know, what makes us different is most of ours is going to come from personal experience. So we're not just reading, you know, something on page 22 about diet and stuff and just regurgitating it to everybody else, making us look good. You're downhill racer. You told us about downhill racing. Yeah. Right? If anybody has questions about that or uh, interested in that, shoot us an email or hit us up on Twitter at the DFW Fitness Zone or shoot an email Ask the fitness zone at Gmail. Yeah, that's what we're here for. To answer your questions, give you some uh, some insight on our fitness journeys. And um, Chris, I just want to ask you, what was your biggest benefit from the oil change? How did you feel afterwards? 
Did you feel benefits the same day, the next week? Did it take a month? No, actually, whenever they take that oxygen out, you're going to actually feel a little bit tired for two days. You know, around the third or fourth day, you actually have more energy. So that's what I experienced. And also just being the, having the peace of mind that my blood's not so thick that I'm having a freaking heart attack. I mean, literally, I felt like I was about, my blood pressure was so high. I was anxious. So more, it was more of a peace of mind for me. Yep. Uh, also, I was kind of upset for the fact that I wasn't educated on this, being a man at 50. I think my GP should have talked about this with me, to be honest with you. During the annual exam, they should, they should ask you, hey, have you had your blood level checked? If you're a man, you might either get it done through your doctor or go to a blood clinic. Get your oil changed. Before we get out of here, today's episode is brought to you by Gava for Men, powered by Testofen. Gava for Men is the safe, powerful, effective, and designed to help increase your circulation and blood flow. Gava for Men acts as a natural anabolic enhancer that burns away stubborn belly fat, restores energy, and even helps build lean muscle. But more importantly, Gava for Men can give you back the confidence you need in your physical, mental performance at work, home, and even in the bedroom. So optimize your physical performance, build stronger, leaner muscle, improve your mood, feel better, stronger, faster with Gava for Men, powered by Testofen. That's Gava spelled K-A-V-L-A. Gava for Men. Find it on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Amazon. Just Google it up, gavaformen.com. And now that you have all that energy from Gava for Men, now you can go play some golf. So there you go. The, yeah, there you go. So our other sponsor is the Highlands Performance Golf Center. It's in North Dallas. It is the premier golf practice facility. They have 65 grass tees, two practice putting areas, and a short game area, two types of sand. So they have basically two bunkers with two types of sand in it. So they're looking for a place to bring the family, have a team-building out event. They have an 18-hole mini golf course. They have covered – this is one thing, too. They, they have covered heated tees. So, basically, you can hit rain, sleet, or snow. You can hit all year round because it's covered. You're hitting still outdoors, but it's covered. They have PGA professional teaching pros to get your golf game where you need to be. They have a golf fitness person on location, which is me, Chris Ombi, TPI certified to get your body in, in shape for the perfect swing. They're located in Carrollton on Trinity Mills in between Midway and Marsh. So make sure you tell them that the fitness zone sent you. Give them a call at 972-733-4111 or check them out on the web at highlandspgc.com. That's highlandspgc.com. Got it. That was this week's episode. Uh, a little bit about my downhill racing, the man's oil change. If you have questions about giving blood or the benefits, shoot us an email. Hit us up on Twitter at DFW Fitness Zone. Shoot us an email, askthefitnesszone at gmail.com. Check with your doctor, ask him or her questions, get a physical, and uh, tune in here in the Fitness Zone. And we're going to be providing more health tips and fun facts and sharing our experience, how we are staying fit and healthy uh, over 40, over 50. I'm Tyson Pfeiffer. This is a great episode, Chris. And this is Chris Olby. So. A little teaser for next week. Uh, yeah. what, what are we talking about next week? Yeah, so I, I wanted to talk about, uh, I get asked this question a lot. I get in and out of the gym now in 45 minutes or less. I'm sure you had this, but back in the day when we were bodybuilding, you're at the gym one hour, two hours, pushing weight, and then you sit and rest uh, three, four, five minutes because you got to recover because we're pushing so much weight. Um, now I am uh, in, in and out, hit it and quit it. A lot of uh, supersetting. Um, I'm basically not sitting and resting at all in the gym. So 
I do a lot of under 45 minutes, under 30 minutes weight training sessions. Kind of wanted to talk about that and how to prioritize your time in the gym. So time is money and we all are running short on time, but we need to get our workouts in. So I wanted to give a overview of what I do in the gym, what works for me, and hopefully it'll work for our listeners as well. Well, good. I'll piggyback on you on that as well, because I'm in and out of the gym in 20 minutes. And we'll talk about the hit it, get it, and quit it. Get it. <laughs> hit it, hit it, get it, and quit it. Hit it, get it, quit it. We'll see you next time on The Fitness Zone.